0: Don't we live in a remarkable and exciting time? I'm sure that you've seen headlines like this just this week. It's time to end the war. Israel and the Palestinians need peace. Uh, historic peace agreements being signed between Israel and their Arab neighbors. Is peace breaking out in the Middle East? Which is simply astonishing when Australians, for many, many years, we've been looking for a time when Israel will be at rest and dwelling safely, certainly believing that they are in that position. Now for us to really understand these events and what's taking place, we should look at the events of the world through the lens of scripture, particularly these latter-day prophecies, Daniel chapter 11 and Ezekiel 38. Now Daniel 11, you can turn there if you like, But you remember that it's the great prophecy that sweeps from the time of Alexander the Great right through to the time of the end. And we're shown throughout the prophecy two major power blocks. The king of the north, that's the king that occupies the territory to the north of the land of Israel. And the king of the south, that's the the, the king, the nations to the south of the land of Israel. And although we're going to focus much of our study, our class this afternoon on the King of the South and the events that we've seen particularly this last month around the Gulf nations and their relationship with Israel, for us to really appreciate what's taking place there, it's helpful for us to just reflect on the actions at the moment of the King of the North. And we know, don't we, that the King of the North, the Gogian power of Ezekiel 38, is Russia. And we see, don't we, Russia uh, looming over the Middle East as we speak. In in fact, you've seen headlines like this, this last year. This is actually from October 2019. So this, this headline is nearly a year old now, but Putin, is the new king of Syria. What a remarkable headline that was from the Wall Street Journal. As we see this king of the north in the territory that the king of the north of Daniel chapter 11 occupied. Now what we have seen then, if you just look on the map, you'll see a graphic that's uh, incredibly exciting. These things take me weeks and months to put together, so you must watch carefully. But look there, you'll see Russia, we've seen, move down and sit in that Syria territory. But what we notice is that Russia is moving past Turkey. Now, uh, our brother Dave, um, in his remarks after our brother Mark's uh, class just a few moments ago, referred to some of the actions of Turkey that we're seeing at the moment. And that's of real significance and something that we should be looking out for. In fact, these headlines I'd just like to share with you are literally within the last week. How Erdogan, the Turkish president, and Putin spectacularly fell Out And the the, the article goes on to talk to us about how the relationship between Putin and Russia and Erdogan and Turkey um, have soured majorly within the last few months. The New York Times this week has said Turkey jumps into another foreign conflict, this time in the Caucasus. So this is honing in on the remarks that Brother Dave just gave. Turkey challenging Russia's monopoly in the South Caucasus. So what are we talking about? October the 7th. That's Wednesday of this week. I know that date well. It's Beck's birthday. And on Beck's birthday, uh, we saw one of these great signs where Russia has dropped, um, uh, uh, is being challenged, rather, by Turkey and the Turkish actions in the Caucasus. And as Brother Dave mentioned, it's particularly about them taking sides with a Muslim nation as opposed to a Christian nation, which naturally Putin and the Orthodox Christian Russia would look to support. Erdogan dealt strong hand against Putin in Azerbaijan, Armenia war regional war brews between Turkey and Russia. Now these are simply extraordinary headlines that are coming off the newspapers, onto the internet for us this last week, where we expect that Russian power, which already sits in Syria, but to sit in Turkey. And none of us could be in the least bit surprised If we saw in the next week, in the next few weeks and months, a serious conflict take place between Russia and Turkey, where the Russian power, that is the eastern leg of Nebuchadnezzar's image, which we considered uh, with Brother Mark in our first class, that leg will stand in Constantinople, that the whole of Nebuchadnezzar's image will be able to stand Turkey and Russia's deepening roles in Libya are complicating the peace efforts the Kiev Post reported this week. That's of real significance to us because we know, don't we, that parallel to Daniel chapter 11 is Ezekiel 38. we just turn to Ezekiel 38 that our brother read for us. And we know that one of the nations that is confederate with Russia is... Verse five, Ezekiel 38, Libya. Russian plane brings more Syrian fighters to Libya's despite ceasefire. So we're seeing the Russians in Libya. There's a military presence of Russians in Syria at the moment, uh, in Libya, rather, at the moment. The new power couple, Russia and Iran in the Middle East. Well, look at verse five again of Ezekiel 38. We understand that Gog of the land of Magog, that's Russia, will also be Confederate with Persia. That is Iran, isn't it? Russia pledges military cooperation with Iran after UN arms deal expires. Russia pledges to continue weapon sales to Iran. And so when we look at the map, we're seeing Russia in place. We understand that Russia's built relationships uh, in Libya, in Iran. And, and we're also interested to see from verse six that Goma and all his bands will be supportive of Russia. And of course, Goma, we're talking about Western Europe, uh, France particularly in the territory there, which is the other side of the leg of Nebuchadnezzar's image. So East and West are going to need to work together, East and West being the, the East and West of Europe, in order for Nebuchadnezzar's image to stand up. And Ezekiel 38 tells us that the Western leg, Goma, will stand with the eastern leg, Russia, at the time of the end when they come against Israel. Now look at the screen again, because look, be excited. We understand that Goma is going to be Confederate with Russia. So what are we seeing at the moment? Well, Macron, this last month, the headline writers tell us, wants to be a Middle Eastern superpower. The article uh, tells us that the French are back in the Middle East. Uh, The French are back in the Middle East, or at least it seems that way, with all the talk these days about Russia or China filling the space in the Middle East that the United States is alleged to be vacating, France is now making a bid to be part of the conversation. In the past month and a half, President Emmanuel Macron has visited Lebanon twice and turned up in Baghdad for meetings with the president there. Macron has also beefed up French military presence in the area, deploying naval units, including a helicopter carrier and a frigate to the Eastern Mediterranean. Now that's of real significance because Daniel 11 tells us that the King of the North will come with many ships. And so look, we're we're being told specifically that the French Navy has been conducting exercises. Just look at the bottom of the second paragraph there on the screen with the Hellenic Navy, um, which of course is the Greek Navy. And the Greek Orthodox Church is the part of the Eastern leg of Nebuchadnezzar's image. So we're seeing the most remarkable things taking place at the moment before our eyes. Russia's Putin and France's Macron call for a Libya ceasefire. On Thursday, this week, France, Germany, uh, and Italy called on forces in Libya to cease fighting. You're talking there about the key powers in western and east the eastern legs of Nebuchadnezzar's image, dominating what's taking place in the Middle East. And so, brothers and sisters and young people, what we're seeing just in the most remarkable way in the last few weeks and months is this division of the nations where we're being shown in the most stark manner a Northern Alliance, the King of the North and a Southern Alliance, the King of the South. And Ezekiel 38 tells us Who will be with the Northern Alliance and who will be with the Southern Alliance? The Northern Alliance is Russia, is Iran, is Ethiopia and Libya. It's Europe. The Southern Alliance, go to verse 13 of Ezekiel chapter 38. The Southern Alliance is Sheba and Dedan, and the merchants of Tarshish with all the young lions. Sheba and Dedan, of course, are the Gulf nations, the Gulf states. The merchants of Tarshish are the nations that trade with Tarshish. It's been too late for me to put uh, in this presentation, but just half an hour ago or so, um, I looked in the break on the BBC News, and the news is telling us that Boris Johnson has been on the phone to Emmanuel Macron this evening, uh, UK time, in order to see if there's any work that can be done around um, uh, the negotiation of the Brexit deal, because... Johnson wants Britain to be able to trade with the EU at the moment. But as Bible students, we wouldn't be in the least bit surprised if there was no deal. Because Tarshish and its merchants, its traders, we expect to be the Gulf nations. We expect to be the Commonwealth nations, the young lions. And they are going to say to Israel, Rather, they are going to say to the Northern Alliance, when the Northern Alliance comes into Israel, art thou come to take a spoil? So it's in that context now that we're really interested in looking at these Gulf nations. This uh, headline is from the Atlantic Council. Uh, From July this year, new report assesses Israel's warming ties with Arab Gulf states. Now, nobody in July, with perhaps the exception of the the American administration and the, the leaders of the Gulf nations, nobody expected to see this move at the pace that it has. In August, the headline writers are saying this, are Gulf Arab states aligning towards Israel? We'll come to that shortly, because we're also interested in Tarshish and Tarshish's relationship with Israel. As they challenge the king of the north, art thou come to take a spoil? Well, Netanyahu was keen for Boris Johnson to be elected. Um, uh, This is taken from uh, July of 2019, where uh, the uh, Prime Minister um, of uh, Israel, the President of Israel, Benjamin Netanyahu, spoke, didn't he, of Boris Johnson as a friend of Israel. When he was elected in December Netanyahu said it's a great day for Great Britain and the UK-Israel friendship. And Brexit's having a significant impact now in all of this. Why is Britain coming out of Europe? Well, we know, don't we, and we've expected it because the Tarshish power is not aligned with the Goma power. She's on a different side. And so, expected Britain to come out of Europe. But it's having a significant impact because it's making the UK strengthen its relationships with the Gulf countries. It's making the UK strengthen its relationships with the nations of Ezekiel 38, verse 13. Will Brexit? Boost the UK and the Gulf trade relations is what was being asked at the beginning of this year. The impact of Brexit on relations between the UK and Gulf countries. And the belief is it's likely to deepen the relationships with Britain and the Gulf countries. This is what we would expect to be seeing. And this is why Britain has had to come out of Europe. Lord of the Gulf, why Britain aims to restore its dominance in the Gulf. That's taken from a couple of years ago, but how interesting that the article goes on to talk about the strength of trade that's growing exponentially between Britain and the Gulf nations. And so, brethren and sisters, young people, The nations of Ezekiel 38 are being mapped out for us on the screen. The swords are being drawn and the sides are being taken. We're watching Europe no longer looking west for their relationship with Britain, then across the Atlantic to North America. Rather, Europe fed up with the Trump administration, fed up with the UK administration and the events of Brexit are turning East. And their eyes are set on developing their relationship with Gog of the land of Magog, the chief prince of Meshech and Tuba, the king of the North. And in contrast to that, Britain, Tarshish is no longer able to develop the relationship she was once able to with the European powers. She's relying on the young lions, on the lions of the Commonwealth for trade deals to be struck. And she's relying on the Gulf nations. And so in the most (laughs) remarkable and extraordinary fashion, In our days, we're seeing the map of Ezekiel 38 being drawn before our very eyes. Brother Thomas, writing in Eureka in 1861, specifically said that Tarshish and the Gulf nations, Sheba and Siva, would be subservient to the angelic mission for the protection and regeneration of Israel. Now, just take that in a second, because it's it's amazing. This brother's writing this in the 1860s. And he's saying, isn't he, that the Tarshish power, Britain, along with the Gulf states, will be subservient to the angelic mission there's an angelic mission taking place before our eyes to bring about Ezekiel 38 and verse 11. A peace, a land of unwalled villages. And these nations are subservient to this angelic mission for the protection and regeneration of Israel. And that is why, The events of this last month, when we look now at the King of the South, have been extraordinary. Israel and the United Arab Arab Emirates to sign a deal at the White House on September the 15th. The reports were going out. The UK's Johnson welcomes the deal to normalize Israel-UAE relations. Of course he does, because he represents Tarshish. The Conservative MPs expressed support for further peace deals between Israel and Arab countries. Yes, because Tarshish is part of the angelic mission, whether the kings of Tarshish know it or not, to bring about peace and protection to the land of Israel. The UK Foreign Secretary, Dominic Raab, said, I think the UAE deal with Israel is very positive. We're looking to and will certainly be encouraging. Indeed, we've already started to encourage others to follow suit. President Donald Trump is promoting peace and stability in the Middle East. Today, he said, back last month, September the 15th, today nations across the region and throughout the world are joining together, united in their determination to build a better future. Securing the historic agreements, President Donald Trump hosted the official signing for the historic peace agreements between Israel and Arab nations. uh, This is taken from the the, the foreign policy section of the White House website. And just i have highlighted in bold there a section I'd just like you to read. The deal is only the beginning of normalized relations between Israel and its Arab neighbors, with many more likely to come promoting peace and security. These agreements are leading to peace between Israel and the Middle East, as well as increased security in the region. This is a short video um, in which Donald Trump spoke on the 15th of September this year, regarding this peace deal.
1: emirates is a great warring nation a very powerful nation in the region and uh they very much wanted to do this muhammad's a tremendous leader like he is a tremendous leader it was important to have them uh first for europe and uh you know the relationship is fantastic a lot of people are surprised to see it and as you know we have bahrain and we have uh Many nations ready to follow. We're very far down the road with about five countries, five additional countries. Frankly, I think we could have had them here today. We thought out of respect. Uh, UAE, they deserved it. And Bahrain came immediately after. They really wanted to do it. Uh, But we'll have at least five or six countries coming along very quickly. And we're talking to them. And they want to see peace. You know, they've been fighting for a long time.
2: They're
1: tired. They're warring countries, but they're tired. They're tired of fighting. Even people gets tired of war. They're <laughs> <laughs> a strong nation. We're a strong nation, but uh, they want to get on with their lives. Israel wants peace. Many of the countries, and I can actually say most of the countries, but many of the countries in the Middle East want to sign this deal.
0: It's just extraordinary, isn't it, that Trump is talking so candidly and openly about the peace that so many of the Arab neighbors of Israel seemingly want. Netanyahu's reply is just as interesting, although shorter. And I can tell you that we have a strong relationship throughout
3: the Middle East. The president intimated how many countries are waiting to join the circle of peace. You know, Israel doesn't feel isolated at all. It's joined the greatest diplomatic triumph of its history. I
0: think the people who feel isolated are tyrants of Tehran because of the pressure that the president has applied on. It's simply remarkable, isn't it, that we're seeing these things take place before our eyes. This circle of peace that Nehemiah refers to. He says, doesn't he, that Israel doesn't feel isolated at all. This is the fulfillment of Ezekiel 38 and verse 11 that the Gogian power, the King of the North, will come against Israel at a time when they feel safe and secure, dwelling without walls, having neither bars nor gates. They don't need them because they're at peace with their Arab neighbours. The Washington Post have asked, why peace between Israel and Gulf states matters? Well, we know why, don't we? because it's part of the angelic mission. Brother Thomas writing in Elfish Israel in the 1840s said, and this, their expectation will not be deceived before Gog invades the land. So before the, the latter half um, of Ezekiel 38 when Gog comes pouring into the land, Ezekiel 38, 11, Brother Thomas quotes to say, there will be a peace. It's there on the screen for us. And he goes on to write, now any person acquainted with the present insecure condition of Palestine under the Ottoman dominion, of course he's writing 170 years ago, must be satisfied from the testimony that some other power friendly to Israel must then have become paramount over the land. And of course, Brother Thomas lays that at the door of Tarshish and the young lions and the nations that Tarshish is confederate with in Ezekiel 38 and verse 13. This is what we're witnessing, this power that is friendly now toward Israel. Brother Thomas went on to say, Ezekiel informs us that Gog's earthly adversary occupies the countries of Sheba, Dedan, and Tarshish. In other words, Brother Thomas is saying, what Ezekiel 38 shows us is that at the beginning of the chapter, you've got Gog with all her confederate nations, Persia, Ethiopia, Libya, Goma, Togama, and so on. But her earthly adversary is, verse 13, Sheba, Dedan, the merchants of Tarshish. He says, when the autocrat, that is Gog, invades the land, invades the holy land for the purpose of spoiling the Jews, the lion power of these countries assumes a threatening attitude and dares him to execute his purpose. Art thou come to take a spoil? Hast thou gathered thy uh, company to take a prey? Thus it speaks to Gog as much as to say, thou shalt not spoil Israel and subdue their country if we can help it. Now, Whether or not they speak with that aggressive tone to the king of the north, or they speak with a more subdued tone to the king of the north, in a helpless manner, art thou come to take a spoil? Either way, this power is the protector of Israel. And we're watching as these Gulf nations are amongst the very first to agree peace terms with Israel. And so no wonder we're seeing headlines like this. Welcome to a brand new Middle East. Just in the last two weeks, this headline. No wonder in the United Nations, we're seeing reports of the normalization of ties between Israel and the Gulf Arab states. The the special reporter uh, talks of the relationship developing between Israel and the Gulf Arab states. But having done so, the other members of the, the UN are given opportunity to speak. And first up were the US and the UK delegates, Tarshish and the Young Lions, speaking up on behalf of Israel immediately after the U.S. and U.K. spoke. Nearly every other nation uh, brought their fears and their concerns and their worries to the table, uh, particularly, of course, in relation to the Palestinian question and what this deal means for the Palestinians. But just look at the language of the U.S. delegate, delegate. Instead of just talking about peace month after month, The United States led the way through action and we achieved tangible results. The UK delegate says that it's created a profound shift in the region. In Arab states' embrace, Israelis see a reshaped Middle East. And the next key question, of course, is who is next? Who's coming next? to build this relationship, this peace with Israel. The Israeli Prime Minister spoke to the United Nations as most of the major leaders of the world do uh, at the end of every September, every year. And the Israeli Prime Minister Netanyahu this year, just a couple of weeks ago, says he has no doubt that more Arab countries will soon join the circle of peace. Just listen to a little bit of his speech.
3: Morning, hosted by President Trump, Israel signed historic agreements with the United Arab Emirates and the Kingdom of Bahrain. This was the first peace treaty between Israel and an Arab country in over a quarter of a century. And it was the first time peace agreements between Israel and two Arab countries were signed on the same day. These new agreements will bring our peoples the blessings of peace and the enormous benefits that come with more trade, more investment, more commerce, transportation, tourism, increased cooperation in so many areas. I also have no doubt that more Arab and Muslim countries will be joining the circle of peace soon,
0: very soon. It's amazing, isn't it? Ezekiel 38 and verse 11 is being fulfilled before our eyes. We live, in the last days. The writing is on the wall for Saudi-Israel peace. Saudi Arabia adopts soft normalization with Israel. We started to see from the end of September, everybody recognizes that the UAE and Bahrain would not have been able to do the deals they have done with Israel without the behind the scenes blessing of the Saudi Arabian kingdom. And the elderly king um, still holds to the, the 1967 border lines that it wants Israel to go back to, but his son, who's the Crown Prince, feels very differently and wants to strengthen his peace ties with Israel. This article um, was sent to me by a brother this week. It's um, from the Financial Times in the UK. Um, and again, it's an amazing article the BBC picked up on it um uh this morning but this is the Financial Times this week Saudi Royal criticizes Palestinians for accusing Gulf states of betrayal he says it says a senior Saudi Royal has launched a blistering attack on the Palestinian leadership for accusing Gulf states that normalize relations with Israel of betrayal Prince Bandar bin Sultan bin his name, a former ambassador to the US and intelligence chief, said the Palestinian criticism was a transgression that was reprehensible, entirely unacceptable. This low level of discourse is not what we expect from officials who seek to gain global support for their cause. It's just amazing that this uh, uh, high level official in the Saudi Kingdom has been allowed to come onto state television to say this. In fact, the article from the Financial Times goes on to make this point. It says it's highly unlikely Prince Bandar would have made the comments on Saudi-owned television without it being sanctioned by the Royal Court. And they signed a hardening, uh, they signal rather, a hardening of Ryder's position towards Palestinian leaders. They also add to speculation about whether Saudi Arabia could at some point consider recognising Israel. As I say, the BBC picked up on this same thing just this morning, signs the Saudis are edging towards a historic Israel peace deal. This is Sheba and Dedan. The merchants of Tarshish are strengthening their relationships to form an alliance to be the King of the South at the time of the end the Arab countries most likely to recognize Israel, The Economist tells us. And it goes on to name um, several more of the Gulf nations. But we've just been interested as well to see that just yesterday, Trump wants Sudan to befriend Israel. So these deals we perhaps are going to see thick and fast coming in the next few weeks in the next few months. Rather amazingly, we've seen just again in the last uh, week or so, relationships between Israel and Lebanon begin to be developed. Now, we know that Lebanon uh, is at war with Israel, but it's just so interesting that for a moment, Israel are going to be led to believe that they really are a land that dwells safely, without walls, having neither bars nor gates. Just look briefly at this news article.
2: The fact that these negotiations between Israel and Lebanon are even taking place in the wake of the Abraham Accords and this warming ties between Israel and certain Arab nations seems
1: significant in its perspective for us. It is is quite significant and it's uh, like the Abraham Accords,
4: the work of very long and serious diplomacy by the United States, by Jared Kushner. And it's not a full-fledged opening of relations, mutual recognition, uh, like with uh, the UAE uh, and other uh, Gulf states. So it may seem like, uh, what's the big deal? But uh, on the other hand, relations with Lebanon have uh, previously been much worse. Lebanon has fought and has been part of every war against Israel since 1948. Uh, They are at war with Israel, and they've never even recognized the existence of Israel. So uh, the UAE, for example, always had warm behind-the-scenes relations with Israel. Uh, so uh, a rising tide lifts all boats. So the UAE, which already had good relations, the new spirit of the U.S. administration turned that into full recognition. And Lebanon, which is in a state of war, is now at least in formal negotiations.
2: And when you say exactly that, we see this as a formal, open discussion of about negotiations in itself. What does it mean specifically for Hezbollah, given its role within Lebanon right now? And of course, its view on Israel.
4: Yeah, I think uh, this, is, this tends to uh, be probably against Hezbollah's wishes. Uh, and it's uh, significantly successful in that Hezbollah largely controls the government of Lebanon. But this shows it doesn't completely control it. Uh, and we can see that they've already been very frustrated by this uh, development. Uh, and it tends to uh, show, you know, that perhaps they're weak, influence in the wake of the catastrophic explosion uh, that they were responsible for in the port of Beirut.
2: And the situation would seemingly be more complicated by the fact that, of course, Lebanon is an ally to Iran. How is Tehran responding to all these developments right now?
4: So we can tell by Hezbollah's reaction because uh, Hezbollah is Iran. Uh, And Hezbollah is very displeased by these negotiations. Uh, Obviously, this is an attempt to try to uh, tamp down the influence of Hezbollah, at least on Lebanese foreign policy, because Hezbollah says there's no such thing as Israel. There's a Zionist entity. And if they're negotiating a border between Lebanon and Israel, that must mean there is an Israel. Uh, And that must be very frustrating for Iran.
2: And of course, the signing of the Abraham Accords, a huge development here, of course, in the Middle East, and specifically a joyous time for most in Israel to see that. But much was made then, and even since then, both by Donald Trump and Benjamin Netanyahu saying more countries are going to follow in the footsteps of the UAE and of Bahrain.
0: It's amazing, isn't it, that these nations are now creating some form of peace, that Israel will believe that they have nothing to fear. And so as we're watching these things unfold, brethren and sisters and young people, we ought to take stock, to step back a bit, to see this big picture emerging, and to recognize that the time when the Lord Jesus Christ is going to return to the earth, could be any moment now will you turn to first Thessalonians chapter five we read there don't we of the times and the seasons brethren Ye have no need that i write to you for yourselves know perfectly that the day of the lord cometh as a thief in the night for when they shall say peace and safety or peace and security when they shall say, peace and security, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as travail upon a woman with child, and they shall not escape. But ye, brethren, are not in darkness, that, they should, that, that day should overtake you as a thief. You're the children of light and the children of the day. We're not of the night, nor of darkness. Therefore, let's not sleep as do others, but let's watch and be sober. Are we watching, brethren and sisters, for these things? Look at the text of the Abraham Accords. These nations have signed up to a vision of peace, security, and prosperity. When they shall say, peace and security, then, some destruction will come upon them they couldn't be saying it in a way that is more clear to the bible student in understanding ezekiel chapter 38 and verse 11 here tied into first thessalonians chapter 5 and the apostle paul was inspired to write to the thessalonians and to us that we might be reminded now in these last days that none of these things should come as a surprise to us, nor should the coming of the Lord be a surprise to us. We should be with those who are of the light, not sleeping, watching for the coming of the King. Now, I just thought it'd be interesting for us very briefly in the next five minutes to reflect on the remarkable name of these accords. They're not called the Donald Trump Accords or the US Bahrain Accords. They're not called the Camp David Accords or the Oslo Accords. They're called the Abraham Accords. Do you know many other faiths that place so much on the promises to Abraham as we as Christadelphians do. How many lectures have you heard on the promises to Abraham on the original Abraham Accords? It seems to me to be remarkable. And just another sign that the angelic mission for the protection of Israel in organizing these nations that Brother Thomas so eloquently spoke of 170 years ago, that the angels would say to Jared Kushner and the like and the diplomats working on this deal, let's call it the Abraham Accords. Because Abraham was the father of many nations. And it's for all nations. What a blessing it is that we can sit here tonight with Brethren and sisters from the UK, Europe, from North America, from uh, Australia, New Zealand, no doubt Asia and Africa, from all over the world, brethren and sisters are able to come together. We may not be the natural descendants of Abraham, But the seed of Abraham are those who share the faith of Abraham. And it was to Abraham, we read in Galatians chapter 3, that the gospel was preached. The very thing that we believe, the, the, the gospel that we try to preach to others is the gospel that was first preached to Abraham, saying that in him all nations could be blessed if they were prepared to have the faith of Abraham. And you remember that Abraham had the faith to come out of Babel. Our brother Mark had us reflecting, didn't he, on Babel and Babylon. Abraham left that place. Have we got the courage and faith in these last days to leave behind Babel, Babylon, the thinking of the world, and rather to walk with the Lord Jesus Christ. Abraham was told, wasn't he, that if he could just go out of his tent and look up at the stars and number them, that's what his seed would be. Do you know, I wonder that Abraham, unlike you and me perhaps, would have had the faith to believe that in the very last days before he would be raised from the dead, there would be an accord called the Abraham Accord. I wouldn't believe it. He would have perhaps believed it because he had the faith to believe it. The Abraham Accord named after him. One of the last signs surely to take place before the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we remember, don't we, the attitude of Abraham that he rejoiced to see the day of the Lord. He rejoiced to see the fulfillment of the gospel in the work of the Lord Jesus Christ. And he saw it and was glad. Do we rejoice to see the day of the Lord? The day when the Lord Jesus Christ will return to the earth. Are we going to see it and be glad? Brethren and sisters, will we be there when the king returns? And the Gogan confederacy is utterly decimated. All the kings of this world are turned upside down and will be there surely to witness Psalm 72. Those that dwell in the wilderness will bow before him. His enemies will lick the dust. The kings of Tarshish and of the Isles will bring presents. The kings of Sheba and Seba will offer gifts. Yea, all kings will fall down before him. All nations will serve him. That day could be today. It could be tomorrow. None of us could be in the least bit surprised if the Lord came tonight. So let's use today as the day of opportunity
1: and serve him while we have time.